Love it, love it, love it. I can't explain it to you. Um, I spent a lot of time at Woodburn back in the 80s, as you know. I was music and youth minister. Casey and I were called away to Louisville uh, uh, in 1990. And at that time, I left Woodburn loving Woodburn. It tore my heart out to leave. But I also said that I never wanted to be uh, a member of another all-white church. Now, I love white people, <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, um, but I have always felt that unity was the best expression of the spirit of the Lord and of the gospel, that in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, there is no color, there is nothing that divides us because Christ brings us together. I've always wanted to live that out in my life and celebrate it every single Sunday. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Unity is supernatural. Division is natural, and it's very, very difficult to achieve perfect unity, but in Christ, we continue to move toward that. And Unity Sunday with First Baptist is one of the best ways I know to celebrate that. Uh, Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Let me give you a little bit of what I will preach later at the Unity service. Pray for me. I have four really, really important sermons to preach, and this is the first. In the next two days, I have four preaching obligations, (coughs) opportunities, and uh, my voice uh, is is weak. Uh, So this sermon is brought to you by uh, Ricola lozenges and uh, Myers purified water and uh, and a big thanks to Mucinex uh, at the same time. Colossians chapter 3, let's jump right into the text, verse 10. I I love this. I I love this. I'm going to try to talk softer so you guys listen louder. How's that? (laughs) Verse 10, this is the purpose of your life right here. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Okay, that is what your life is about, to know your creator and become like him. That's your purpose right there. If you've never had it, there you got it. That's your purpose. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Back to verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The Christian life is a process. It's a journey that you begin on the day that you believe. And it becomes a process of becoming more like Christ, coming to know him. And as you know him, to become more like him. In this new life, there are things that don't matter. 
Now, spread the word because I'm telling you in the world in which we live, these things matter. But I'm saying that once you step into Christ, you're not from here anymore. You understand? And you're not like the world anymore. And you can't think like the world and you can't be like the world. There are things that in Christ no longer matter. Now look at them. Verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Now, at that point, Paul speaking from a Jewish perspective, in the Jewish mind, there were Jews and there were Gentiles, which means there is us and there's everybody else on the planet. So if you want to talk about a very, very racial way of seeing the world, this is it. There's us and everybody else, the, the nations, the Gentiles. Jews were, were very, very racially uh, structured in their thoughts. And so Paul says in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no us and them. There is no racial boundary whatsoever. And he goes on, circumcised or uncircumcised. Don't, don't ask me to draw you a picture there, but the point is a religious prejudice there. There's no denomination. There's no religious prejudice that can divide us. But barbaric, and now that's a good word there, but barbaric. This is Paul now speaking to the Greeks who were a little bit um, prone toward their own kind of racism. The Greeks were very, very proud of their language. In the Roman Empire, Greek was the language that they just pr promoted everywhere in all parts of the world. Everybody should speak Greek because the Greeks thought that their language was beautiful and that everybody else's language just sounded like bar, 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 bar. I mean, that's what they said. I'm not making that up. Everybody else's language just sounded like noise. Bar, 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 barbarians. You get it? They called them barbarians because they didn't speak their language and they thought they all sounded dumb. Anybody not speaking their language was just dumb. But in Christ, there is no language barrier. It doesn't matter if people don't speak your language because, because that doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. You get the pattern here? There's no uncivilized, no slave, nor free, no social boundaries, no social status. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you work or what car you drive. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. There are lots of ways that we are, are different from each other and none of them matter. None of them matter. Christ is all that matters. That's what the scripture says, and he lives in all of us. Like I said, there are lots of ways that we are different, and we tend to focus on our differences, even in church, and even in our relationship with First Baptist Woodburn. I love First Baptist Woodburn. I love this congregation. They are my family. Pastor Jimmy is one of the best friends I have in ministry. I love him. But now they're different over there. I've gone to worship. I, I went one Sunday a while back with Chip Jenkins, who at the time was the mayor of Woodburn. Y'all know Woodburn had as a mayor? Chip Jenkins was mayor of Woodburn. Now, when you go to First Baptist Woodburn, it's different. It's different. It don't matter, but it's different. You understand? And so if, if you visit First Baptist Woodburn, I've already learned, first off, because they know I'm a pastor, I better have a sermon ready. Because they will just flat out, if you're a pastor, you're ready to preach. So they'll just flat, so you got to have a sermon ready. And also they're going to seat you on the platform. They seat dignitaries on the platform. So I'm with the mayor of Woodburn. So me and Chip get to sit right on the platform like dignitaries. Now it's already after lunch, y'all. So this dignitary is going to probably, you know, have to struggle to stay awake. Uh, but that's okay. I, I was ready and I was excited. Now at that time in my life, Casey gave me $20 a week, like $20, and that was going to get me through my week. 
So before I walked out the door, I was getting ready for my week, so I picked up four $5 bills. Four $5 bills, $20, and that's all the money I was going to have for the week. But it was going to be enough, because Casey said it's enough. Understand? Four $5 bills. Put them in my pocket. Went to First Baptist Hoover and sat there with Mayor Jenkins on the platform with the dignitaries. Well, turns out they decided to take up an offering. But they don't do offering the way we do it. It's different. It don't matter, but it's different. Understand? And so what they said was, we're going to take up an offering, and what everybody is going to do, you're going to wave your money and bring it all the way down in like a, a, a big thing and put it in the plate that's on the table in front of the, in, in front of the pulpit. So you had to get up, walk down the aisle, you had to wave your money and put it in the plate. I'm thinking, thank the Lord I, I got money because I don't always carry money at all, but I have four or $5 bills. And so then they said, we're going to start with the people on the platform. So okay, that's okay. But then Chip Jenkins looks over at me and says, I ain't got no money. I said, what? He said, I ain't got no money. And see, that's awkward because they're starting with us. Did I mention there weren't a whole lot of dignitaries there? I mean, dignitaries is me and Chip. He said, I ain't got no money. So I kind of slipped him, you know, one of my $5 bills. So now he's got one, I got one. Well, Chip goes tearing down through there, just, just waving that $5 bill, which was mine, you know. But he's just waving that $5 bill, throws it in the plate. I put mine in the plate. We get back on the platform. We sing. We preach. It's just great. It's a really, really good day. It was different, but it don't matter. At the end of the service, Pastor Jimmy got back up and said, we're going to take another offering. <laughs> Chip Jenkins just looked at me like this. I mean, because you understand, he ain't made no money since the last offering when he didn't have any money. So, uh, y'all remember I started out with four, five dollar bills? Okay, you know two of them are gone. And there went the last one right there. I gave it to Chip Jenkins. He just goes tearing down through there, waving my five dollar bill. That's different, y'all. I mean, that, that's different. We don't do it that way. I can't afford to go there. I'm with Chip Jenkins anyway. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we're different. We can be different. We can be different in all the ways that don't matter because the scripture says Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. And if I've got Christ in me and you've got Christ in you, then there is nothing that you can say about either one of us that should divide us when Christ is all that matters. There are lots of ways that we are different. You're probably smarter than I am. Your wife probably gives you more money than my wife gives me. It don't matter much. It matters a little, but not, not all that much. Christ is all that matters. This is what the scripture says. When will we ever come to believe and live this out? Christ is all that matters. All of the ways that we divide ourselves from each other, those things don't matter. Those are imaginary lines. Christ is all that matters. Let's go on. In this new life, verse 11, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Now, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. There are two important verbs there in that verse, verse 13. The first one is forbear, 
And the second is forgive. Forbearing and forgiving. Those are the verbs. New Living Translation will say make allowance for each other's faults. But literally what it says is forbear, forbearing with one another, or bear with one another. So two very important things. We've got to learn to bear with one another. And we have to learn to forgive one another. Forbearing and forgiving. You understand, Scripture is always very, very practical and very, very honest. And so, in other words, when it says that none of these things matter, only Christ matters, Scripture still understands that there's difficulty in bringing human beings together. It's hard. We like to say these differences don't matter, but now sometimes they just do. They do to us. Even though they don't in a spiritual sense, we have a hard time bearing with one another. It's hard. Primarily because when I say that we're different, what I mostly mean is you're different. You know what I mean? Like when we say that there are differences between us, we all agree with that. But in your mind, you're thinking you're the normal one and everybody else is weird, right? English is, you know, the language that God speaks. Everything else is a foreign language. Isn't that how we think? You understand? So what is familiar to you, that's normal. And everybody else is weird. So when we say you got to learn to bear with other people, you're thinking, Lord, help me. Lord, help me, because other people are nearly unbearable. Now, how we think? Everybody else takes a lot of patience. Everybody else requires a lot of grace, you understand? But, but now we don't think of ourselves as difficult at all. Isn't that interesting how that works? Can I just give you a news flash? You're weird too. Just because you're familiar to you, that doesn't mean that it doesn't require a lot of grace to take up with you. This is a hard lesson for me to learn. I tend to think that I'm the normal one. I know. I tend to think I am, but I'm not, but I think I am. I think everybody else is foreign. It's going to take a long, long van trip to Washington, D.C. I was on a van with, gosh, it was packed 15, 16 adults. You know, we were hip to hip, and it's going to be a long drive. I happened to be seated by the window, which I chose on purpose because, you know, I wanted oxygen. I was sitting by the window, and I was sitting by a very lovely Asian woman. She was wonderful, but I'd never laid eyes on her. I, I sat next to her. Y'all know me. I just start talking because, you know, I, I don't ever turn that off. I just start talking. It's first thing in the morning. And I realized she really doesn't speak English at all. And so now I'm realizing that I'm going to be sitting by someone who's not really going to talk to me. So I just pulled out a book. You know, there really wasn't a lot of conversation. She was friendly. I was friendly. But, but we really couldn't converse much. So I, I just pulled out a book and started reading. It wasn't 30 minutes down the road. I guess she got hungry. She, she reached down and got this big old bag. And she took out this big old bowl, like a Tupperware bowl, with noodles. It's like 6.30 in the morning. And she pops open that lid. And I mean, the smell just hits me in the face. Now, again, I'm not making fun of her. This is her food. It's her culture. I'm sure that whatever is in that bowl was a good breakfast for her, but it was not for me. I understand it was just, it was a really, really, it, it was a smell that wasn't familiar to me. It was really, really strong. It really looked like a carton of night crawlers to me. I, I mean, I'm just being really serious. It was so different for me, but, but it's okay. It's her breakfast and it's fine. And so she started eating and she literally ate with chopsticks. I actually thought that was cool, but I still couldn't look much, but she was eating with chopsticks and, and it was, you know, again, fine. It, it's fine. It's just not familiar to me, but it's fine. You know, it's different, but it don't matter. 
matter. And so she's eating her, 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 her noodles with chopsticks, and, and it took her forever. But she finished that whole bowl and put the lid back on it, put it back in her bag, and she sat back. I thought, you know, fine, this is what the drive's like. It's going to be okay. It wasn't like 15 minutes later, she leaned over to me and said, this is going to be horrible for you, but I'm about to be sick. Okay, she's right with the horrible part. This is going to be horrible for me. I mean, I saw those noodles once, and I'm going to have to look at that noodle surprise one more time. You understand? I mean, she's telling me it's coming back. So I sort of, you know, quickly explained that in our culture, when you're throwing up in a van, you need to go out the window with it. So I swapped seats with her, and she sat by the window. So for the next hour and a half, she kept going, <laughs> and every time she'd go, Oop, I'd go, <laughs> oh, oh. It was a long drive, y'all. It was a really, really, she never threw up, and that is the power of Jesus right, right there. Because I, I prayed, Lord, please, please don't, don't make me see those noodles again, because I can't, I can't look at those noodles again. Understand, I needed to bear with her. For, for the sake of just being human, and, and for the sake of what Christ has done for me and what Christ has done for her, I... It's okay. You understand? I can bear with her. And it's not like, you know, she's offended me and now I got to forgive her. You don't, you don't waste forgiveness on, on stuff like noodles. You understand? You just put up with that. It's different. It's different. Her breakfast was different. I don't know why in the world a good old Pop-Tart wouldn't have served her just as well. You understand? But that's me and that's her. And we're different and it's okay. But we have to bear with each other. When we are with people that are not familiar to us, when we're with others who are different from us, we have to learn to just put up with the differences. And that's what the scripture says. Learn to do that. Forbear one another. Bear with one another. Make allowance for that. Cut each other some slack. People can be different from you because you're different too. You understand? That's the way I think of my life is me always putting up with other people because you understand I'm inside my head and I know what it is for me to put up with people, but I don't always understand how people have to put up with me. Appreciate you not saying amen right there. I appreciate that. But I understand that I'm not always easy either. <laughs> this is awful. I, I was on a prayer retreat in Chattanooga, Tennessee over a Wednesday. And it's just programmed in me that even when I'm not at home, I go to church. And so I, I actually thought it was a great opportunity to find a, a Wednesday night prayer service. And I told y'all, I, I, I really don't like all white churches. So I start looking, I want a black church. I want to go midweek service black church. Now, so I just start looking. I, I know you, you can't really Google, you know, Wednesday night black church, but I did. I did. And I found this amazing, big, contemporary African-American congregation on the other side of Chattanooga. So I was so excited. I put that on my GPS. I start driving. Man, it turns out it is far away. It's far away. But, but I get there. I mean, there are a million cars. I was so excited. I can't believe this is my life. Wednesday night, it's going to be an African-American contemporary congregation. And it was. It was. Well, the website said they had a service. It didn't tell me they had a meal. So when I open the door, the room is already full of people. I mean, full. It is jam-packed full of people, African-Americans. And it didn't take a, a genius to quickly understand, I am the only white boy in here. I'm the only white guy in this room. But I don't care. Remember, that don't matter. And it doesn't matter to me. 
I'm hoping it doesn't matter to them. You understand? But it doesn't matter to me. So I just suddenly realized I've got to get to the only empty seat in the room, and it's way over there. Way over there. And everybody's sitting at tables, and the, the, the preacher's already talking, so they're paying attention to him. So my job now is to weave through these tables, you understand? And it's really crowded. i got to weave through here in a way where I don't make a scene. Because all I want to do is sit down and sort of be invisible. That's all I want to do and enjoy worship. So I'm winding my way through. Now, y'all know me. I, I travel, have my big old Bible, and I had a notebook because I was going to take notes. So I had a Bible and a notebook, and the notebook had one of those little spiral edges on it. All right? So I'm winding through trying to get past him. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. I'm winding through the tables. And one of the things I never knew until that night is apparently a lot of African-American women wear wigs. I didn't know. This is not a joke. I just didn't know. I didn't know. I'm dumb like that. I didn't know. So I'm winding through like this. Got my notebook with the spiral edge on it and, uh, and my Bible. And as I'm walking and every, I can hear the preacher talking, I'm just trying to get to my seat. I hear this lady scream, ah, ah, and I turn around and it's a bald lady screaming. <laughs> I mean, she's not really bald. She had just this little skull cap on and then I looked <laughs> and there's a big wig hanging off of my notebook I dragged it right off her head like walking by my notebook caught her wig and I pulled that wig right off her head so she's screaming now I'm screaming and she's trying to get that wig off my notebook as fast as she can. So she yanks it. She leaves a lot of hair on my notebook. And then she just throws it back on her head real fast. And she just glares at me, hateful, like I did that on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. I wouldn't have done that for nothing. I mean, this is awful. So now the whole room, everybody's looking at me. And I guess they're wondering which wig I'm going to flip next. I mean, everybody's just looking at me. So I go, I just sit down thinking, Lord, why did I come here? Why, why did I come here? I feel like everybody's looking at me. You know, sometimes you got to bear with me. You understand? I didn't mean to offend her. I wouldn't have pulled that wig off her head. Now, driving home, it got funny to me, actually. It's probably not funny to her yet. You understand? I didn't mean that, you know, you all. I just didn't. I, I didn't. And I didn't want to uh, embarrass her. I really felt awful. I apologized to her after the service. She wouldn't look me in the face. I made a fool of myself in front of the entire congregation. All I wanted to do is join for worship and sort of disappear. But, but you know, that's, that's, that's what happens. That's part of it. And that's exactly why Paul says you got to learn how to bear with each other. And you got to learn to forgive each other. Verse 13, forgive anyone who offends you. What Paul is saying here very, very literally is that you just got to learn how to be unoffendable. Unoffendable. It's not easy because obviously in our culture, we have made getting offended sort of like elevated to an art form. I mean, everybody's offended nearly all the time. It's very, very easy to offend most people. But Paul says right here up front, you're not going to let that happen to you. I mean, this is an instruction you're receiving in advance. You're not going to be offended by people. 
No matter what they say, no matter what they do, you've already sort of gotten your marching orders from Christ. You're going to, in advance, just make up your mind that you won't be offendable. It's not going to happen to you. Some people are going to offend you. They're going to say things that are offensive, but you're not going to get offended. This is how we live in the world, and we're going to forgive in advance. Now, understand, making allowance for offenses and being unoffendable, that's not the same thing as forgiving. You understand? You say forgiveness for the big stuff. I mean, say forgiveness for when somebody actually means to harm you. And in your life, you'll have some opportunities to do some real life forgiving because there are going to be people who hurt you. They'll, they'll plan on hurting you. But, but if a person offends you and they don't mean to offend you, you, you can't get offended. You just got to let that go. And when we begin to cross cultural barriers and language barriers, when we begin to try to live out the unity that Christ has for us, understand there's going to be a lot of possibilities for offense. But you just sort of live in the world in such a way where you're Teflon to those things. It doesn't bother you. It rolls off your back. You're not going to be offended. I'm telling you, most people in the world, they're not thinking about you. They're, they're, they're not in any way trying to offend you. So just let it go. Cut people some slack. Be unoffendable. I'm telling you, it's the key to unity. It's the key to getting along, forbearing and forgiving, Paul says. Because you've got to remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Again, that's sort of up front as well. You you know that. It's what the Bible says. So understand that. So when someone really does, really does harm you, hurt you, understand you've already been told to forgive. Just forgive in advance. Just right now in your life, make forgiveness your way of being in the world. So no matter what happens, no matter what anybody says, no matter how they offend you, what they do, already in your mind, you're unoffendable and you've already forgiven them. That's the kind of freedom that Christ brings. I know this doesn't sound natural to you. I know that because you don't know very many people who live in the world this way. There aren't. Being unoffendable would be very, very rare. Getting offended, that's common. You understand? Judging people, that's every day. Grace is rare. You you with me? Not becoming offended, you understand, it's a very different way of living in the world. It is the way that Christ calls us to live in the world. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In my life, day by day, I'm becoming more like Christ. That means I'm becoming less like everybody else in the world. It means I'm becoming less like my racist grandfather. I'm becoming less like my parents, more like Christ. This is our aim in life. It's a new life. And we become more like Christ. I know it's hard. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not an idiot. I know it's hard. I've tried to be that person who crosses the line, and I know how awkward that is. And I offend people when I do it. I don't, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I just do. Because I don't know, because I'm ignorant. I, I don't always understand another person's culture. I don't always understand what, what they expect from me. And when we come together, that's just how it's going to be. And people do get offended, and people get really angry, and people get divided. You understand, 
the division is natural. Unity supernatural. If we're going to experience unity, then that's going to have to come from someplace else other than this world, someplace else other than our experiences with one another. That unity is something that only Christ can do in us. But he does it. I don't know how many good examples we've known in our lives, but I've known some. I thank God for them. The story comes out of World War II. Really interesting. I don't understand all of the circumstances with it, but apparently there was a, a chaplain who was with a, an Italian uh, division of soldiers, and one of their men was killed in France. He was a beloved uh, soldier, and, and for whatever reason, they couldn't take him with them. They couldn't get his body out, and they realized they were going to have to bury him there. And so the chaplain approached a priest. There was a small village and a small cemetery there in Catholic church. And the, the Italian chaplain approached the French priest and, and said, you know, please, brother, we've lost our friend. Uh, we must move on. We want to bury him. Could we bury him as a Christian in your cemetery? The French priest said, well, is, is he French? He said, no, no, we're, we're Italian. He's, he's Italian. Is he Catholic? We don't know. We don't know if he's Catholic. We, we don't know. The French priest said, I'm sorry, but the only ones who can be buried inside the cemetery are, are French Catholics. So they begged. They said, sir, please, we must move. We just want to bury our, our friend. We don't, we don't want to just leave his body. Let us put him in the ground. So finally the French priest agreed that they could bury the man outside the fence. Not in the cemetery, not, not in there with people, but, but outside the fence like a dog, you know. So on the other side of the fence, they dug a hole and they buried their friend on the outside of the fence. At the end of the war, some of those guys got back together to, to go back and, and, and try to pay proper respects for their friend and maybe try to mark that grave. They went back to that little French village. They went back to that little French church and to the cemetery. They couldn't find a grave outside the, outside the fence. There was no grave. Again, they hadn't marked it, and they just thought that they could be confused, but it, that they couldn't find any sort of grave outside the fence. And so... With some trepidation, they went up to the church and they asked the priest, the same priest, and they just said, we assume you remember us. We buried our friend with your permission outside the fence of your cemetery. And now we've come to try to mark that grave and pay some respects to him, but we don't see a grave outside the fence and we're just concerned. Can you help us find it? The priest said, I can help you find your friend. He's not outside the fence. When you buried your friend, I watched you. I heard you read the 23rd Psalm, and I heard you pray in Jesus' name. When you left, I could not sleep. I spent one full night rolling in my bed, unable to sleep for what I had done to you. I spent the next full day moving the fence. 
he moved the fence. In our lives, brothers and sisters, we have to be the ones who move the fence. Understand? There will always be divisions between us. We have to be the ones who are willing to move those fences, to erase those divisions. We have to sort of be willing to fight for unity because it's not going to come easily. And as soon as we think we have made peace with one group, there will always be another group. Do you understand? There's always somebody else that we can put outside. So we have to make this our way of life, always moving fences, always erasing boundaries, always reminding ourselves that most of all of the things that we can say that make us different don't matter because Christ is all that matters. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Of all the things I can be thankful for today, I'm thankful for the people in my life who taught me how to move the fence. I remember when Brother Morris, the old pastor at First Baptist back in the day, used to try to get our churches together, and it was hard. Some of you were around like I was around. We didn't make it easy on those pastors to have a unity service, did we? Some of us resisted it. Some of us were ugly about it. But those old pastors, one African-American, one white, both of them old, they moved that fence between our churches, y'all. They moved that fence. They got together when it was hard. So now we can get together and actually it's easy and it's joyful. I'm thankful for Brother Woods and Brother Morris. Thankful for Martin Luther King, a Baptist preacher who has his own holiday. Y'all go. That's good. Thankful for a man who simply refused to get angry, refused to get offended, although in the world in which he lived, there were many, many reasons for him to simmer with anger. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't. He conquered with the power of love. He moved that fence. I'm not Brother Morris or Brother Woods or Martin Luther King. But in every opportunity in my life, I want to move fences. It's not always welcome on the other side. Sometimes people aren't as happy to find out they're one with me, <laughs> that we're family. Sometimes that's not good news. I, uh, I understand. Sometimes it's awkward and I feel really, really silly and I say dumb things and I um, have flipped a few wigs in my life. 
but moving fences. That's what Christ wants us to do. It's a new life. Lots of things make us different. None of them matter. Christ is all that matters. Let's pray.